When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. With Tony Maradero. 55 seconds left in the penalty, a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. LaFleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into LeMaire back to LaFleur. Oh! The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. <laughs> You're in the fall. Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoint, on lui fait perdre la rondelle une passe devant. Et c'est la You found the dogs. John, you found the dogs. He found the dogs. And all together, they worked the young team to the top. And now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground. Your premier gaming destination. It's gonna be sick. Shadow Hand with you on this Friday evening. I am the Hebrew Hammer. This is the Sick Podcast. Welcome, everyone. I hope you had a great week because uh, the Canadians didn't. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Energy Transportation Group is a leading full service logistics provider serving all of North America driven to be different we're also brought to you by brood in quebec and a winner of a dozen international awards la beta tv offers quality microbrewery beers made with premium ingredients for everyone's taste la beta tv embrace your true nature and we're also brought to you by playground halloween is coming up and playground has plenty of treats for its members earn entries daily starting monday october 23rd the return sunday then the return sunday october 29th for your chance to win a share of 22,000 uh in cash and free play draws will be held every 30 minutes from 12:30 to 9 p.m. that is scary good visit playground.ca for details and this is very special. Bring up the graphic. Uh, you know, we had a meet and greet with Tony about two weeks ago, and it was a major, major success. So join us for a meet and greet with the one and only T-O-N-Y, M-A-R-I. 
I don't know how to spell the rest of his last name. Sorry. N-A-R-O. All right. To celebrate the start of the hockey season, the Bitta TV, uh, the Sick Podcast, and IGA Extra are proud to bring you the chance to meet Tony Marinaro. Okay. So two weeks ago, it was in Dollar Days or Mode. This time, it's in Laval. So it's October 21st. That's tomorrow, starting at 2 p.m. at 5680 Boulevard de Laurentide in Laval. Uh, Again, last... uh, Two weeks ago, it was a great, great success. Great success. And uh, so we're going to run it back and do it again. Uh, Tony will be there and uh, potentially me. I might show up. Uh, it depends if uh, Sammy and Yellow allow me to come because uh, they don't like to. Uh, they, they always say we only let good looking people come. So we'll see. Um, all right. So like I said off the top, I hope you had a great week because the Montreal Canadiens didn't. Um, it's crazy the difference a week could make uh, in a hockey season, but that's the nature of the game. Things can change just so, so fast. So uh, with me this Friday to break it all down, one of my favorite Friday regulars is of the Montreal Gazette, Mr. Stu Cowan. Stu, how we doing? I'm doing well. Better than uh, the Canadian's health situation right now at this point. It, it's crazy, you know, for the past two and a half seasons, we've been talking about this and it just seems to be never ending. Uh, like we said off the top, it was, you know, the Canadians had a good result against Chicago, but uh, the long-term effects of that game on uh, last Saturday were pretty brutal. Kirby Doc going down with an ace, torn ACL and MCL, uh, not an injury you see very commonly in hockey. Uh, that's more of a football, soccer uh, kind of injury, but man, it just, the hits just keep on coming. And that's that's a tough injury to come back from. I mean, that's a full yeah. year recover usually, recover usually, and you never know if it's gonna you're gonna come back 100 percent from that. That's major major knee damage with both of the ligaments blown out. And then you know, at practice this morning, uh, now Caden Gooley skated before practice, but he has an upper body injury. Reports it's his wrist. He's still day to day. Uh, Dvorak took part in practice today with a contact sweater for the first time, but he's not ready to start playing yet. Uh, you know, Reinbacker hurt his knee uh, playing in Switzerland. Uh, Heinemann has an upper body injury after running into the referee, of all things, in Laval. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's, it's, you just start wondering, is this team just cursed when it comes to injuries? It's just it's crazy because we know we we've spoken about it over the last two years. Yeah. The Canadians were number one in the league by a quite a large margin of man games lost to injury, and you know they brought in a new training staff. But just really these injuries that happened, well, this has nothing to do with that. The thing is, I mean, really yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we spoke this before, and Graham Ryan was fired. He was sort of made a scapegoat for all the injuries. And you can question some of the players coming back too soon. You can question Brandon Gallagher playing on a broken ankle last year. Uh, other players playing through injuries. Monaghan playing on a broken foot. But it's a physical game and guys get hurt. And, you know, when you watch that hit on, um, on Doc from, from Jared Tenorti, of all people, former first-round pick mm. of the Canadians, it didn't look that serious, especially for his knee. It looked like maybe he might have hurt his back going over the boards. Yeah. But for that much significant damage, from that hit and you feel for Kirby doc. I mean, you know, he had that broken wrist when he was with the world junior team, which hurt him when he was with Chicago, he was injured at the end of last season, obviously worked really hard during the off season this year to get ready for the season, expected to play a huge role, looked really good the first couple of games and then boom, the season's over. So not just physically, but you're worried like mentally what a toll this is going to take on the young guy like that with the excitement going into the season. And then your season's taken away. And it's going to, as I said, that's a, that's a brutal injury. That's a long, long recovery. And, you know, I spoke with Brendan Gallagher uh, 
after uh, Doc was hurt. And no, nobody knows more about recovering from injuries than Gallagher. And he said, the thing is, it's going to be important for him to stay around the team because you get lonely. You know, the team goes on the road, you're left back at home doing your rehab or whatever you're going through. Uh, so it's going to be important for Kirby to try and stay around the team as much as possible. It's good that they're home for this long stretch right now. But physically and mentally, this is going to be a tough road ahead for him. You know, and it's crazy because, like I said, it, this is a very, very common injury, not so much in hockey, but more mm-hmm. in football. And when this happens in football, like the season is done. And yeah. then just for, you know, every time the, a player that comes back from an injury like that takes a hit, makes a cut, anything, you're, you're worried. You're worried because it just does not come back. That, that's something that just does not come back stronger. The one thing he has going for him, like we said, is just he's had trouble with injuries, but they're not connected to each other. So that's a good thing. This is the first injury to, to hear that we know of. Well, and, and you look back, I mean, Andre Markov with the knee injury, he was never really the same afterwards. It's, it's, it's as mm-hmm. I said, I mean, uh, ho- hopefully Kirby Doc can come back and be the same player he was. But again, this is it's a tough, tough injury to come back from. Uh, with both ligaments, it's major, major, well, not as major surgery as it used to be back in the days of Bobby Orr, but uh, but it's still it's it's quite a significant injury, and especially to a young player. And, you know, he had, was such an important part of this rebuild. I mean, one of the big, big building blocks, along with Caulfield and Suzuki, giving them depth down the down the middle at center. Now Alex Newhook would look good on the wing. He's going to center. Dvorak will probably move in the center when he comes back to play. But it just eliminates so many of the you know Marty Saint Louis talked right from training camp day one, but all the options you had forward lines. And one of them was playing Kirby Doc with Suzuki and Cole again, if you wanted to try that. And now mm. this limits the options he has moving forward for the rest of the season. And if you're a Canadians fan, you hope that, you know, the injuries, they got them over with early now, and hopefully they can have a long stretch where they stay healthy. But uh, history certainly uh, <laughs> doesn't look like that would be the case. I know. And it, it's really sad because, you know, we mentioned it, it just his history with injuries last season, how well he was playing. And then it was, you know, stopped right away, stopped in his tracks by another injury. And I, I feel for Kirby Doc, you know, like you said, Markov was never the same when he came back from his knee injury. The The plus side for this is that, you know, Doc is much younger. So, you know, his body will yeah. heal you know, logically speaking, it'll heal better than uh, Markov's did, which is good. And also, you know, I, I think from the from a confidence standpoint, obviously, when you get injured, it, it's horrible. It sucks. Uh, I've never played high level hockey, but, you know, uh, I take up running as my sport. I've gotten injured a couple times over the summer. It sucks. It, you know, you, it's like you said, you sit around and you do well, nothing. The whole life of an NHL player, it's not, you know, you show up every day at the rink, they hang out together, you go on the road, they're going on a long road trip at the end of this month. It's, uh, you know, going out for the guys with the guys for dinner, uh, hanging out after practice, before practice, all that stuff is involved. And, you know, the injury jinx seems to carry, even when the guys leave the Canes, Joel Edmondson <laughs> goes to Washington and after all his back issues here where he was sidelined, breaks his hand in a preseason scrimmage and now he's out. That, you know, he won't be in the lineup when Washington's here Saturday yeah. night. But it's just, it's it's unbelievable how these injuries just keep happening, the guys uh, with the Canadians. And even after they leave the Canadians, they go elsewhere. I mean, you know, the big question with Joel Evans, will, will his back hold up? And then he breaks his hand in, in a scrimmage of all things and requires surgery and he's on long-term injured now. You know, the one thing I'll say positively about Kirby Doc's injury is that, you know, he, if this happened in Chicago, that's like confidence is like near zero 
the Canadians gave him a contract showing their commitment to him. Mm-hmm. And so he knows when he comes back, he, he has his spot. You know, it's, there's no yeah. doubt about that. So, you know, it, it's, it's a long road ahead, but, you know, he'll put in the work, he'll come back and uh, hopefully he'll be back to his old self and then uh, be able to progress there from there. Because man, oh man, I mean, like what promise did this guy, look at the promise this guy showed through the first two games of the season when he was in the lineup. Like I, I remember watching with my friends, the, the, the season opener against Toronto and my friend looked at me and he goes, mark my words, Kirby doc by December is going to be the Habs first line center. And I agreed. I said, well, that's he, not even a hot take. He looked like he was going to be the bargain signing too. $3.6 million salary cap hit for a guy who's going to be a number two, maybe a future number one center. But from Doc's perspective too, now moving forward, he's just, he's got this season and two more seasons at that contract. This hurts him as far as his next mm-hmm. contract, what he might be able to earn. You know, if he's healthy this season and scores 30 goals or whatever, and, and continues to progress, he's going to cash in at the end of this. But now, it seems to be, as I said, going back to one of the World Juniors when he broke his hand and you know, limited him, limited his uh, ability to play in Chicago, and led to him being traded here and and whatnot. And um, as again, I, I really, really feel for Kirby Doc because you could tell talking to him at the golf tournament, um, he, he was. You could tell just how excited he was for this season mm-hmm. coming up and, and and how much was expected of him and looking forward to prove. He is the player who deserved to be drafted third overall, proving that Chicago gave up on him when they shouldn't have given up on him. And now this happens to him, and, and what a huge setback. You know, uh, we'll, we'll move on because uh, from the from the negative to a positive, because you mentioned uh, we're going to get to Caden Gooley. We'll get to that soon. But let's let's bring it back to a positive in just that, you know, what a start to a season for, uh, for Alex Newhook. This guy looks like another one where – you know, it just, a team gave up on him too early. And this, this, that situation's a little different because there were just so many guys ahead, but it's, he's kind of looking like a guy right now on the Canadians that it's like, okay, there was no room for him, but that's a guy you want to make room for. Like, why did, why didn't they ship someone else out, you know, to keep Alex Newhook? Cause this guy looks exactly like uh, a guy who was drafted 16th overall. No, it's a numbers game, right? I and mean, you fit into different slots and different teams have different chairs, as Marty St. Louis likes to say. And he was sort of a third line, fourth line guy in Colorado, <clears throat> getting a chance to play top six here, getting a chance to play in the power play, three goals in three games. I mean, who would, you know, he's got one more goal than Cole Caulfield. When was the last time yeah. Cole Caulfield wasn't leading the Canadians in goals? But he's looked really good right from day one of training camp. I remember watching him in the scrimmages. And he's a Slavkovsky and uh, <clears throat> Anderson, if I remember right. And he just, he looked really good. Like he's, I knew, didn't know a whole lot about him. We don't see Colorado play that mm-hmm. often. But we knew about his speed and that was obvious. But his playmaking, his shot, and just how hard he works. He's a really hard worker on the ice. He has like a Brendan Gallagher type work ethic. And uh, a great opportunity for him to come here. And yeah, he's, he's looked fantastic. And from an injury perspective, he played all 82 games last year with Colorado. Mm-hmm. So he has a track record of being able to stay healthy but um i think Kane's fans are seeing quickly why kent hughes was willing to give up a late first round pick and an early second round pick to get new hook um as i said the, the the talent's there you don't get drafted that high in the first round if you're not a talented hockey player the offensive skills there you look back at the numbers the crazy numbers he put up when he played the junior and the work ethics there and if a guy's going to work hard and he's got skill that's a pretty good combination to have 
that's um, so what Marty St. Louis had as a player. The work ethic combined with the skill. Not saying that Newick's going to be a Hall of Fame player like Marty St. Louis, but he's been a real. He's been fun to watch right from uh, day one of training camp. And I was mentioned before about options. He's. He, it's a good thing they do have him now with Doc because you have somebody else going to jump in and play center uh, while Dvorak's out also. So just a, I, I think a really smart. Uh, pick up by Kent Hughes. He obviously knew Newhook as uh, he wasn't Newhook's direct agent, but uh, the same agency, uh, mm -hmm. Cortex. That's where. Uh, so he knew him, and and uh, Newhook also played with uh, one of Kent Hughes' sons in junior hockey in Victoria. So Kent Hughes knew him as a player well. He knew him as a person well. Thought he would fit in well with this young group of teams. He's right in that age group, 22, 23, 24, where they're trying to build it through. And uh, a, a really, as you say, looking for a positive from the first three games. Three goals in three games, that's a huge positive. Yeah, and just and it's. Uh, I think I mentioned this before. I don't know if you were on the podcast when I did, but I had a friend who worked. Uh, this is back when Mark Bergevin was in charge. This is the up the season where they drafted the off season where they drafted Cole Caulfield. Um, obviously, uh, the Canadians were jumping for joy when uh, Cole Caulfield fell to them. But I had a friend who worked as an intern for the Canadians in hockey ops. And he told me after the draft uh, that, you know, the Canadians weren't expecting to get Cole Caulfield. And the next guy on their list was actually Alex Newhook. So it's, it's, it's pretty yeah. ironic that he had well, they were drafted one after the other, right? They were drafted one exactly. after the other. Exactly. That, that has a three first round picks from that draft and Doc, uh, um, Caulfield and uh, Newhook. So it's, I mean, if, if you had gone into that draft and the Canes held three first round picks, people would have been incredibly excited. So you got three talented players, and unfortunately, one of them's out now. Yeah. So uh, one of them is out. Another one is uh, going to be, well, he's from another draft, but another one is going to be out for a couple of games in Caden Gooley. You know, again, just another player who looked good uh, in the first uh, few games that he was in. And then just injury strikes. Oh, yeah. I mean, listen, it, it looks like this one is not serious. But well, day to day, they've, been, they've said that a bunch of week times. To week. It's an upper body injury. So as I said, he was skating this morning in Brossard before practice, which isn't shocking since it's an upper body injury. There's been reports it's his wrist. But, I mean, he he is such a solid all-around defense. And we were talking with Jonathan Kovacevic after practice yesterday about him. And he had been playing with the Ghoulie, and he was saying, he says, you know, I, I see him every day at practice, and he says, like, he's so good. He's so good at everything. And he said, he's going to be a number one defenseman for the Canadians for years to come. Mm -hmm. And a good draft pick, I think he was 16th overall. It's a, you know, Mark Bergeron takes a lot of criticism for some of his picks. That was a really good one. And he's just, he's so, he does so many things well, but he's been hurt now. This is like the third injury. I mean, he got hurt twice last year, the high ankle sprain. Before that, he was hurt his knee. Uh, now this, it's a, again, it's just this injury curse that seems to be following the Canadians. But Caden Gooley, and when you talk to him, he's such a, uh, he's an intelligent kid. He's confident, not really, just, he's a really, he's a soft-spoken kid, but he, he plays, he's got a little bit of mean streak on the ice too. He uses his body, plays physical. Um, so the Canadians are obviously crossing their fingers that he's not out too long because he's another just huge part of this rebuild. And, and I agree, I think he's, he will be, uh, the Canadians' number one defenseman in the future moving forward. I think he's just he's got he's got the whole package. Yeah, and 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 you know it's hard to argue with that because when you watch him play, 
he just he doesn't look like a 21 year old 22 year he oh, looks no. like he's 25 26 years old and, and when you talk to him it's hard to believe he's 21 too he's just he's so he's just such an intelligent kid a nice kid to talk to and thoughtful and and, and intelligent and, and it's the same way he plays the game also mm-hmm. yeah so hopefully he's not out too too long um i mean hey you want a positive so we went negative positive negative yeah. i'll hit you with a positive the canadians tomorrow are playing um you know just about the only team in the nhl that looked worse than them uh the other night when they played the minnesota wild and the washington capitals because man oh man i mean you know it's too early i'm not ready to say ovechkin hit a wall because he is yeah. alexander ovechkin yeah. but man you know, it's crazy that the first time in this guy's career, he's been around forever, it seems yeah. like. He, he was held two years. games. Yeah, two games in a row without a shot on goal. Again, I'm not ready to call it a uh, call him, you know, that he hit a wall. But man, do the Capitals look really bad. And like that's really, you know, with a, with a week of a ton of bad news, this could be a very – big opportunity for the Canadians to say, Hey, we have an opponent. We know we could beat them. Let's really let it's Saturday night at the bell center. Let's really take it to these guys. Well, my St. Louis was asked about Ovechkin this morning. Um, and he has no goals right now. Uh, yeah. as you said, no shots his last two games, but he noted Habs killer. I believe it's 37 <laughs> goals and three, including three hat tricks and 55 career games against the Canadians. He yeah. always, performs and he likes performing in a big spotlight it's saturday night and as marty saying we said we better be ready for him because uh i don't think he's going to go three games without a shot and mm-hmm. i'll be surprised if he goes four games without a goal um but you're right the capitals i saw they, they look slow and ovechkin's 38 now um mm-hmm. father time catches up with everybody at some point uh it's true it it's, oh, it, it's fast you know what some some players it happens slower and some players, it happens really fast. I think back for Canadians on Scott Gomez. Remember before the mm-hmm. Canadians acquired? I mean, he was a speedy forward. He was great. And he got old, like, overnight. You know, that move yeah. to the outside where he would beat defensemen, he just couldn't beat him anymore. And it was sort of overnight. Whereas we watched Brendan Gallagher, it's sort of been more of a gradual process with the injuries, how he's sort of slowed down a little bit. And some guys, it is overnight. I mean, Jeff Petrie was a healthy scratch for the Detroit Red Wings in his third game there. Uh, he came mm-hmm. back in the next game and he had two assists and played really well. But it's sort of, you know, that once guys get over 30, 31, 32 in today's NHL, it's it's difficult to keep up with the pace. And some guys get old really fast and some guys get old slower. And Ovechkin, again, it's only three. I'm, I'm not ready to say he's, he's exactly he's down. I mean, he might score a, another hat trick tomorrow against the Canadians. And then we'll all be talking about how incredibly he's coming back. But as I said, Father Time's undefeated. Some guys can go 15 rounds with him. Some guys can go one or two. Uh, but this, the NHL is becoming more and more every year. It's just a young man's game. It's it's mm-hmm. it's so quick. It's so fast. It's 82 games. There's no out of bounds. There's no. It's it's to me. I, I always say it's the most physically grueling sport there is out there. Um, now the NFL plays fewer games. You can go out of bounds, uh, not get hit in the NFL if you want. Uh, it's just it's such a grind. The amount of games these guys play and the travel and everything else. Uh, it takes it to wear and tear on everybody. So it's going to be really interesting to see tonight what Alex Ovechkin can and maybe can't do uh, mm-hmm. against the Canadians. Well, you know, it's it's funny because you look at his counterpart, Crosby. 
Uh, mm-hmm. And Sidney Crosby is having a fantastic start to the season. Yeah. You know, he, he looks like uh, he could go five more years. No problem. Um, the biggest difference between those two guys, I find now that we're seeing again, not ready to call him that he hit a wall, but a little bit of a slowdown with Alex Ovechkin to start the season is that it just seems like Ovechkin. He always seemed to play with speed. He was like, he always hit hard. He always hit mm-hmm. people hard, but really off the rush, it's like, okay, here comes a goal. And uh, if he's standing on a power play open, okay, here comes another goal. Yeah. But he never, he never really slowed down the game when he was on the ice, quite like how we talk about Sean Monaghan when it comes to him yeah. playing with Uri Slavkovsky. Never really slowed it down for other people. So, you know, he, he's got to figure it out because with a guy just with that that much talent, I, I don't think he's done. Um, yeah. I, I, I think he just has to adjust the way he plays the game and find another way to be effective. I, I chuckle watching him on the power play, especially when you watch him live because he just stands in that high circle <laughs> with his stick on his knees half the time doesn't do anything you know he's there they know he's there and then the puck comes to him that one timer it's in the back of the net it's 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 quite remarkable to watch just the way he's able to do that just sort of sit in that one spot you know we're talking about father time i asked marty st louis about that today because marty st louis was 38 his last year in the nhl as he's 38 or 39 and he had 21 goals with the rangers he was like fifth in team scoring and that was the last year he played and he said i never felt father time caught up to me he said, as soon as you start thinking that, that's when you do. And he like he, he said he would have liked to keep playing after that. And you think yeah. back, he had 21 goals as a 38 or 39-year-old in the NHL. It's quite remarkable. But, you know, Marty St. Louis, even today, you look at his legs. I mean, <laughs> he's got bigger legs than half the guys playing in the NHL today. It looks like you could still play. But it's, uh, as I said, though, the wear and tear catches up with, with everybody eventually. And, and with Ovechkin, you wonder if that's the case. Yeah, it's 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 crazy because you know we were talking about uh, you know when the throughout the summer when the NHL uh, schedule came out that the Capitals have another game in Montreal where it seemed like you know if Ovechkin scored at the pace that he normally scores that that could have been the game that uh, he yep. broke he broke or tied Wayne Gretzky's record that that game is uh, later on in the season but it just it doesn't seem that way now but hey. He, like you said, noted Habs killer. So, uh, well, another tell, another might... former Hab, another former Hab who won't be in the lineup with the Capitals is Max Pacioretty, who's blown out his Achilles twice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he signed with Washington tough. in the offseason, and who knows? Uh, there's no timetable as of now of when he might come back either. So, you know, you got Edmondson there, who's out with a broken hand. You got Pacioretty in Washington, who's out with another Achilles tear. Uh, the Habs jinx uh, seems to follow some guys. And you know what? Uh, just uh, just on that note of the Achilles tear, you know, we we talked about the ACL MCL. Um, for you know, Max Pacioretty when he was in Montreal, he he had his fair share of injuries, mm-hmm. but he was known as Wolverine because that's he right. Just, he'd like, always bounce back. Yeah. He'd always bounce back. Mm-hmm. He'd heal like you know whatever the injury was. Like mm-hmm. let's say it was a month long injury, just shave two weeks and he's back on the ice out. Uh, broken neck with Chara. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Like he always just made his way back onto the ice mm-hmm. very, very quickly and faster than expected. Um, he's obviously older now, but yeah. if you look at uh, another Achilles tear, this one also in the NFL, Aaron Rodgers, he was spotted this week throwing a ball in practice. Now that doesn't seem like much, yeah. but when you're driving off your foot that or your leg that 
has the Achilles tear. That's pretty amazing that just, you know, uh, six weeks ago, he it's a serious, yeah. serious injury. Some guys can come back from that um, in the same season. Now, with the way things are going for the Capitals, I don't well, think there's enough time for him to come back. Because, no, uh, and you wonder, really I mean, you wonder, Pacioretty if, you wonder, Pacioretty, if he came back too quick with Carolina because he played five games right. and he blew out his Achilles again. So it's another... Another major injury. It's interesting the contract he signed, uh, Patrick with Washington. It's uh, two million dollars, but he gets another million dollars if he plays. I believe it's ten games, and then another five hundred grand if he plays fifteen, or another five hundred grand if he plays twenty. So they're hmm. they're hoping he can come back. But again, I mean, twice the same Achilles tendon too. Uh, we're talking with age, and age catches up with everybody. And and for Patrick uh, you hope he can come back and stay healthy and, and doesn't have any more Achilles tendon problems. But uh, I'm sure maybe you learned the the lesson coming back maybe a little bit too early the last time, and we'll wait until he's uh, he's fully ready this season. But it's too bad. It would have been uh, it would have been interesting to see Patrick back at the the Bell Center tomorrow night with the Capitals. Yeah, he was always uh, he was always a player. I felt like didn't really get a fair shake. A yeah. lot of people here, a lot of people here didn't like him. And he had know, the, five. The he had five or six thirty goal seasons with the Canadians. Mm-hmm. Playing with, and this isn't a knock on David Dayerney. Playing with David Dayerney as a center, but David Dayerney is not a like a real number one NHL center. Yeah, so exactly. On some bad teams too. I mean, Max Pacioretty scored a lot of goals on some bad teams, and and you're right. I don't think he really got the credit he deserved here. Is uh, he was the last before Cole Coffey, He was the last legitimate goal scorer this team really had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, uh, he, the the criticism too of him was like, ah, oh, he scores a lot of goals, but uh, they're all empty netters. Like. Mm-hmm. No, they weren't. He, no, he, no, had a cra- no. he had a crazy shot, you know? He yeah. had an insane shot. He was a yeah. great player for the Canadians, you know? Feel for him because, uh, again, didn't get really a fair shake. Would have been interesting to see the reaction of the crowd uh, when he came, if he came back to the Bell Center. Oh, you get booed. Uh, they booed everybody. They even booed Yeah, Conor that's true. They, they booed Connor Bedard. That's right. There you go. <laughs> but uh, you know what? I kind of like that because the there's so – like. I don't want other teams to be excited to come into Mm -hmm. the bell center. Like I want this, I want it to be a fortress where like other players are scared, not quite to the level of like, you know, a Mexican soccer game where you have a bag (laughs) of piss thrown at you, but, or the spectrum back in the broad street bully days. Yeah. Well, that's it. You know, like not quite to that level, but like, I want it to be a place where players are intimidated. And, you know, Connor Bedard's a fantastic player. Obviously, he's had a great start to his NHL career. Uh, love what ESPN has been doing, by the way. Like his first game where he scored, and they just put up a graphic chasing the great one. And they put up yeah. Connor Bedard's career goals and yeah. Wayne Gretzky's career goals. I thought that was yeah. great. That was um, but I, I want players to get rattled when they, when they yeah. come into the Bell Center. That's something well, was- that I feel like needs to come back. On the other side of that, though, it was really nice to see after the game against Minnesota, the ovation that they gave Mark yes. Andre. Uh, also, the game against Chicago, when Corey Perry was the last player on the ice for the pregame warm-up, he got a mm-hmm. really nice ovation from the Canadians fans as he as he left the ice. So it's sort of a mix of both. It's nice to see uh, you know the passion from Canadians fans, uh, but it's also nice that they recognize a guy like Corey Perry and what he meant to the team in his brief stay here and helping to get to the Stanley Cup final. And then for Mark Andre Fleury, a local guy. Really, uh, Quebec kid coming, not a kid anymore, but coming back home and, uh, mm. and playing really well for uh, uh, for Minnesota. And I love Marc-Andre Fleury. Anytime you interview him, he's, he seems to 
he gets it. Like he's just, he realizes how lucky he is to play professional hockey. You know, he, he was sort of upset when he left Pittsburgh and then he had the great thing in Vegas and was really played a key role in building Vegas into the, the popular team. They are in that city. He was their first mm-hmm. sort of big name player. And he's just, he's always got a smile on his face. He's always happy. He loves playing hockey. He enjoys everything that comes about it. And I think he realizes just how lucky he is to be able to do that. And not all pro athletes do. They don't, I don't think they really appreciate just how fortunate, I mean, it's hard work and skill and everything to get there. Mm. But once you get there, sometimes you just need to appreciate just how lucky you are to live the life that these guys live. I mean, we're talking about Kirby Doc and what he's going to miss not being around the guys. I mean, these guys travel all over. They stay in five-star hotels. They eat in really good restaurants. They wear really Mm. nice clothes. They have a really good life. And it's nice when you see a guy like Marc-Andre Fleury who seems to really, really appreciate that. And rather than really sulking, I mean, you know, he was upset when he left Pittsburgh and he loved mm-hmm. Vegas and was upset when he left there. But he seems to, you know, okay, he's upset for a couple of minutes or a few days and then, okay, let's move on. Let's move, let's get into where we're going next. And, and he's, he seems to be happy in Minnesota. And that might have been his last game ever in Montreal. We'll see if he comes back for another season after uh, next year. We're talking about St. Healthy. I mean, he's incredible. He reminds me of like Gumby. I mean, you watch him. Oh, yeah. Big time. Bends <laughs> and contorts himself and moves around and, uh, He's, he's one of my favorite goalies to watch. He's almost like watching a gymnast in net. But, uh, but again, it was really nice just to see the reception that the Canadians fans gave him the other night as he was leaving the ice. You know, you mentioned he, he's a player who gets it. Um, that, that's not something, at least me speaking from a personal experience with Marc-Andre Fleury, that's not something that came with age. Like, I remember oh, yeah. I, was, I was about 13 or 14 years old. And uh, my grandfather used to be, uh, along with my great uncle, they used to be player agents back in the 70s and 60s. And they were player yeah. agents for, for Gilles Maloche. And back, uh, you know, 13, 14 years ago, he was the goalie coach for the, for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, so, I remember he that. Invited, so he invited, um, he, my grandfather spoke to him and he invited it, uh, me uh, my cousin and my cousin's hockey team to go watch the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins practice. And my cousin is uh, two years younger than me. So he's 11. I'm 13. A bunch of 11-year-old uh, hockey players mm-hmm. are like in awe of the Pittsburgh Penguins on the ice because you see Sidney Crosby. You see Evgeny Malkin, Chris Kunitz. You see all these superstars larger than life. And um, you know, we were all really excited, obviously, because we thought we were going to get the chance to see Crosby. Now, he never came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were three players that came out. One was Bill Guerin. He he came out of the locker room and signed a couple autographs. He was already up there in age. Uh, Chris Kunitz, as he was leaving the ice, he was signing autographs. But Marc-Andre Fleury, uh, he came out of the locker room as we were in the in the hallway of the the lower bowl of the Canadians uh, Bell Center, and he came out and he took the time to sign every mm-hmm. jersey, hockey card, uh, uh, stick that someone had. He took a picture individually, which with each person, and yep. you know, then we took a big group photo with him and like really. And then he got yelled at. He was getting yelled at by the Pittsburgh. Get on the bus. Exactly. Yeah, they had to leave. And he was like, no, 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 no. Just give me five minutes, you know. And that's something that really, really stuck with me uh, when I was a kid watching hockey players. Like, I al- after that moment, mm-hmm. I always, always rooted for Marc-Andre Fleury because that's very rare for me uh, throughout my sports fandom 
in multiple sports. I only have one team. There's none of this. Ah, oh, my second favorite team is yeah. nonsense. One team, but he was always one guy. I always, always rooted for because wow. he's just really exemplifies what it means to be a professional athlete. I say he gets it. I mean, I mean, he was. I say he was huge in Vegas. I mean, hockey was new to Vegas, and here's this French Canadian guy with big smile and happy, and he helped sell the game in Las Vegas. And you know, you talk about that. It reminds me. I was. Uh, I might have told you the story before, but I was at a golf tournament a few years ago. I think it was the Quebec Sports Hall of Fame. And at the dinner, <clears throat> I was fortunate to fortunate enough to sit beside Yvonne Cornway, who was interrupted about ten times during his dinner by people coming over. Can mm. I get a picture? Can I get an autograph? Can I get a this? Can I get a that? And uh, at one point afterwards, I said to him, "Does it ever bother you? You know, you can't have a meal." And he says, "You know what will bother me when nobody wants my autograph anymore." I thought that was a great, just a great yeah. line. Just realizing just how these guys, how they, they're, they live a very charmed life. I mean, there's pressure and there's like every job, there's good and bad parts about it. And there's good and bad parts of being a professional athlete, but they live a really charmed life. They're paid a lot of money and just little things like that. I mean, you remember that, right? It, it takes yep. two seconds. For, and it's interesting too, because I asked Marty St. Louis the question that he was last week. Um, you know, he played in Tampa, like he wasn't, you know, the, the Tampa wasn't a huge mar hockey market when he was there, even though they wanted to stand like, okay, he could probably walk around Tampa and not really be bothered. You know, when he played mm -hmm. in the Rangers in Manhattan, it's not like people were stopping him walking down uh, 8th Avenue or whatever in Manhattan. But now as head coach of the Montreal Canadiens, you can't go anywhere, right, without being stopped. Yeah. Uh, whether it's a restaurant, walking down the street or whatever. And I asked him if it's, uh, you know, does it, does it bother you at all? And he, he was like, no, he says, I'm not going to stay at home and not go out because of that. And he said, if I can put a smile on people's faces and make them happy by posing for a photo or posing for an autograph, that's great. You know, and, and it's, yeah. it's, uh, some guys get it and, and some guys don't. And Marc-Andre Fleury is definitely a guy who gets it. Yeah. So it's just nice. I mean, listen, if he could play, hopefully he's, he's back in the Bell Center another season. Cause he got a very similar ovation to that last year. I think when mm -hmm. he was with Chicago. So yeah. uh, just hopefully he can, uh, like you said, this guy is like, uh, you know, stretch Armstrong, you know, the way he bends. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, hopefully he can come back another season because that, you know, and that's something to be said, you know, bring it back to injuries. Um, uh, that's something to be said about a player is someone is, is longevity. Like that means something. Like you yeah. talk about longevity of players. Uh, look at, you know, look at Martin Broder. He played like 22 seasons, and yeah. that's like he wasn't and just he playing. Like you know, games every yeah, exactly, too, exactly. He was, I was yeah. just gonna say he wasn't yeah. just playing. Uh, you know, 50 uh, mm -hmm. games a year. He's playing 70, 75 yeah. games. He was like the best player to have in fantasy back in the day. Yeah. Uh, and the thing with so, thing with Fleury, yeah. he's 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 built like Gumby. I say he's like a gymnast, and he's. But then uh, with Carey Price and the injuries he's had. What always amazed me with Carrie, one of the things is how big he was. Like he, he's built like an NFL tight end, you know, 6'4", 235 pounds or whatever, and just dropping to your knees and the impact when you're that large of a man and pushing side mm -hmm. to side and the wear and tear that takes on his body. And we saw what it took on Carrie Price. I mean, it wasn't just his knees. It was his back. It was his hips. It was everything just from such a large guy uh, playing a position where, you know, it's, it's more beneficial to be – like you said, like Gumby or Stretch Armstrong or whatever, when you can, we can, I was amazed how flexible Carey Price was for such a big guy. But I mean, yeah. that took a wear and tear on his body over the years. So uh, let, let's uh, bring it back to the current Canadians. Cause uh, Hey, you know, it's like, uh, again, it's new season, same old story, power play. <laughs> Uh, didn't look no. very good against no. uh, Minnesota. You know, two shorthanded goals on the same power play. Um, 
they worked on the power play because I saw you tweet on yeah. tweet out the the power play lines yeah. this morning. Was that like an ex, a focus of practice, or was yeah. it really just uh, okay? Yeah, no, that was that was the main focus of practice. And Mike Matheson got frustrated at one point. It was a break his thing. He was there. The frustrations there. I mean, they're one for eleven on the power play this season, and they gave up two shorthanded goals on one power play. I mean, think about that. That's yeah. can't get much worse than that. But Marty St. Louis had a good quote after practice. An interesting quote, anyway. He said, "You know, we're not." We, we know our power play is going to get better. We just don't know when. We're going to keep working on it. But their main focus, everything about this game, they want to generate off their 5-on-5 five five play. That's And, and their 5-on-5 five five play has been really good. And he says, we'll get the power play. will get going. We'll get it fixed. It's a question of when. So he's not in a panic mode yet with the power play. It is only three games into the season. You know, if they score two power play goals to the tornado against Washington, uh, that'll be done. But it's the fact that it's been so long that this power play has been so bad is a big concern. Yeah, because again, we you know we've we've mentioned it before on this show. It's like the Canadians haven't had a good power play since our Andre Markov left, or yeah. you know, even back even back when the Canadians were like really really bad, they always had a good power play. Like yes. I have memories yes. from my childhood, you know, watching Saturday night in my friend's basement with uh, their parents and. You know, who's it's like the Canadians would go on the power play. It's like Sheldon Surrey is going to score. It's just going to happen. Yeah. Too bad for you. <laughs> too, too bad it's happening. You know, it's exactly. Gonna happen. Exactly. Um, you know, there's a lot of talent there. It's like it's it's puzzling that it doesn't work. Well, it, it is. I mean, the talent's there. You got Cole Caulfield. You got these guys going to shoot the puck. You got Suzuki. Uh, Matheson's got a big bomb on the blue line. You got all these guys. And for whatever reason, it just doesn't work. And they're, they're very predictable. And, you know, they're coming up the ice with the drop pass mm-hmm. to Suzuki all the time. And it's it's got to get better. I mean, it really does. As Marty St. Louis said, there's not really a panic. But when there seems to be a lack of desperation, too, because how do you give up two short-handed goals on one power play? And it, it looked like they just they were, they were nonchalant. And it cost them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and it goes to show, like, you need to be on your game. And, you know, we've spoken about this. You know, there was maybe a handful of games last year where we could say that was a bad effort from the Canadians. Like, really, you could probably count it on one or two hands Mm -hmm. out of 82 games. And it's like, okay, you already got one, and you're only three games into the season because you were bad all around on, uh, on Tuesday night. Yeah, and they were bad on the, the killing penalties too against Minnesota. I mean, they, they, you know, special teams were there was costing the game. You give up two shorthanded goals on one shift. It's it's hard to bounce back from that. And so it's going to be interesting. They spent a lot of time working on it today. Basically, the same guys in the same positions, though. They haven't really changed the personnel in the power play. And um, we'll see what they can do against Washington. But I mean, it's got to get better. But as St. Louis said, he's not panicking about it yet. They're going to keep working on it. They've been really good five on five. They're one of the best teams in the NHL five on five, and then one of the worst teams in the NHL on special teams. So it's going to be <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see what what uh, how they can fix that moving forward. And and you know, I it seems like to me, just from what Martin St. Louis said, is that he's really protecting Alex Burrows. How how much mm-hmm. of this do you do you think really falls on his shoulders? Because a lot of people are like getting fed up with Alex Burroughs, but like I'm not even sure how much is on his, it's on his shoulders. Well, practices. I mean, Marty St. Louis out there working with them. I mean, it's sort of it's a it's a group thing. And and you know, speaking with Rick Green, former Canadians uh, defenseman mm-hmm. and coach and assistant coach for a long time, and he was saying, you know, when the power play is going wrong, it's easy to point the finger at one guy. But it's everyone. Like in power play meetings, it's not just one guy talking. It's the different coaches having ideas and players sharing ideas. And 
know, the targets on, on boroughs now, but you know, as I said, there's no, there's no salary cap on coaches. So if the coaching, if they're not getting it done now uh, with Marty and Burroughs and the other guys, maybe bring in somebody else with a fresh set of eyes and a, a fresh outlook on it to try and fix it. Cause it is, you know, it's, it's, special teams can decide games. And we saw that against Minnesota. That's what decided the game. So as, as much as Marty says, he's not in a panic mode to fix it. it it's got to get fixed. And fans are getting frustrated too. I mean, this mm. has been so long. I mean, they haven't had a good power play since Andre Markov. We were talking about him earlier. Since Markov left their power play, it just hasn't been that good. And Mike Matheson, it was interesting because he was asked about it after practice about getting frustrated and uh, guys were sort of teasing, oh, that's going to be on every uh, sportscast tonight is you yeah. losing your cool. And he said, it was funny, he said, yeah, he says, but you know, he says, that happens to me in summer practices sometimes. I'm competitive. We're all competitive. When things aren't going yeah. well, uh, you get upset. He says, even if the power play was going really well and we had a bad power play in practice, I'd get upset. So he was like, he was basically, don't read too much into it. Like, we're frustrated with it, but we're all competitive and we want to get the power play fixed. And that's one of the things that, uh, that Marty, that today, the, the, most of the practice today was spent on the power play. Well, it's also crazy because things could get spun so easily. Um, you know, through through media and, and the way that, you know, people perceive things, you know, one way you could perceive that is, you know, oh, the Canadians, uh, they got injury cluster injuries already. They're, now the power play is still not getting better. They're already they're already at each other's throats. It's like, no, the guy the guy wants it to get better. They're, they're mm -hmm. frustrated. Yeah, and of he, course, yeah. maybe he's maybe he's just setting a standard. He's part of the leadership group. Mark Matheson is He's yeah. 29 years old. He's one of the oldest players on the team. He wants yeah. to raise the standard along with everyone else in the organization. And maybe some players just weren't up to his standard. Yeah, and, and that's and, uh, and St. Louis answer. St. Louis thing about not really panicking is also, you know, not just talking to the media, but letting the players know, like, don't know. It's three games in. It's early yeah. in the season. Yeah, they, it's hard to imagine them having a worse game on special teams than they had against Minnesota. I mean, it's hard to imagine mm. giving up two power play goals on one shift and being as bad as they were. So it's um, it, but it shows the guys care. I mean, Matheson getting upset at practice, and he, he was sort of laughing about it. And he said, "I hope you guys notice that if the power play is going good in a few weeks, and I get upset at practice, I hope there's as much focus on that yeah. as there is now." So it's sort of you know. When he was when he was playing in Florida or playing in Pittsburgh, and if that happened in a practice, nobody's uh, no media is really going to be talking about it. But I think uh, uh, I'm sure tonight on the sportscast that'll be a big focus is about Matheson sort of getting upset on the power play this morning. Yeah, I'm sure we'll see that on you know Sportant Seven yeah. Eleven Hockey yeah. Anti Chom, but it, it'll happen on uh, <laughs> on all of them. <laughs> um, so let's uh, let's just finish up with one thing is. Um, I was so confused last night because, you know, it's uh, my friend's birthday and he goes, uh, let's go over to the pub and, uh, you know, watch some football, watch some hockey. And I'm like, oh, it's Thursday night. We'll watch the Canadians mm -hmm. play. Yeah. Oh, what's going on? What's going on? Was, like, what? <laughs> I, I thought the same thing. I was talking uh, I was talking to my wife earlier in the week and she said, what are your schedules this week? I said, well, the Canes are playing Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. And yeah. then uh, I looked at I looked at this. Oh, they're not playing Thursday. That's the rarity that that happens. <laughs> but then then they're playing Saturday, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday next week. But it's been a real weird schedule to start the season. They've been home for a long time. They've had yeah long yeah. stretches between games. But yeah, it's rare. I mean, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Those are the home nights for the Canadians. So the fact they haven't played uh, in that long is <laughs> surprising to a lot of people, including me. 
Yeah, you know, like I'm looking at my phone and I'm talking with a friend of mine at work and I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to, he's like, what are you up to today? I'm like, oh, I'm going to go to the bar, watch the Canadians play. And he's like, what do you mean watch the Canadians play? Yeah. Like, well, you're going to watch a rerun? Like what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> I, I just don't get the NHL uh, scheduling. You know, they, they seem to always take like one step forward, one step, uh, two steps back. Well, a lot, like, a lot of it has to do with building availability also. I'm not sure if, right. if there's anything else going on in the Bell Center this week or tonight or whatever, but uh, that, that has a lot to do also when it comes to scheduling games is what the but it's like is. you get this report out that the that uh, the canadians the nhl is doing like a red zone style broadcast mm-hmm. for uh for you know coming up and i'm like that's gonna be great you know yeah. 15 minutes in between start times each game you're oh my god they finally got it right they did it on a tuesday night not a saturday like what? Yeah. Like what? <laughs> What's going on? Like I don't. Well, I don't get it. everything NHL does TV related wise has to do with uh, U.S. TV, right? So I guess they wouldn't yeah. do it on a Saturday because they figure everybody in the U.S. on Saturday is watching college football, right? So it's sort of that's. Yeah. I mean, we gotta as Canadians, we get a, you know, you look at the playoff games, you know, afternoon playoff games on like, there'd be a Saturday night during playoffs, and there's no hockey on TV on a Saturday night. Like, how is that possible? Well, it's because the American networks want the games in the afternoon. So that's just yeah. just the way it is. And I'm sure that's why that was done on a Tuesday, because they figured Saturday nobody would be watching because everybody's watching college football. You know, I hope they do that again because it's a great concept. Like, it's yeah. interesting to me because ESPN, like, they know what they're doing. And it, it almost felt like, you know, on the, begin- on the first night of the season, we always complain about how, like, the game on the schedule says it starts at seven and then it starts yeah. at like seven twelve, yeah. And it's like, what the hell, man? But it seemed like at least for the first game of the season, like that game, it was on the schedule. It was Nashville, uh, Tampa Bay. Yeah. Five thirty start time. I'm pretty sure it started exactly at five 30 because like I flipped on the TV at like three, five 35 expecting to catch like some opening ceremony. Yeah. And they're already like four minutes into the game. I'm like, this is yeah. what is the NHL starting, uh, turning a new leaf, starting games on time. Like, what's going on? Well, it was a smart idea to have the three games on opening night, one after the other, after yeah. the other, too. That worked out really well. But yeah, I, I, I've heard other people frustrated, like, why is it that other leagues, when they say the game starts at one, it starts at one? Or if it starts mm-hmm. at four, it starts at four. Uh, even the NFL, like now, the, it used to be they'd schedule the four o'clock game would be four o'clock, but now it's 4 15, if I'm not mistaken. They announced that the kickoff's going to mm-hmm. be. So, it's, yeah, I mean, the NHL, especially with the opening nights with the ceremony, some of them go on 20 minutes at 7.20 before the game started. I know it's someone writing on a newspaper deadline it used to drive you crazy because you're looking, okay, we got to file a story by 10.20 and it's 7.30 and they haven't dropped the puck yet. This is going to be interesting. But, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, it's one of those things. But I think I think having the three games opening up was really smart. And it was good matchups. Plus, you had Connor Bedard playing against Sidney Crosby in his first yep. game, which I thought was really smart. Uh, but the NHL, when it comes to – marketing itself and the way it deals with TV and whatnot, they're so far behind the NFL and the NBA and even MLB when it comes to doing that. That's that's somewhere where the NHL really, really needs to improve. You know, it's it's also just interesting because I, I'm not quite sure how it works in the NBA if they start like on time, but I know like the NFL and the NBA, the biggest thing is like the players skating out onto the ice and the national anthem. But when it's a regional yeah. broadcast – they don't even show the anthem on on yeah. TV. So why don't you just put that, you know, 30 minutes before? That's what that's what every other league does. The NFL. I've never seen, you know, one o'clock hits, they're starting the anthem. It's always yeah. at like 12.50. I could do without the anthems, to be honest. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, me too. That's I a mean, to me, thing. it's, you know, you, 
for the Olympics or world championships or whatnot, great. But, you know, the, playing the U.S. anthem and the Canadian anthem when you got the Russians and Slovaks and Finns yeah. and Swedes and everybody else on the ice. But sort of those traditions that I guess they're never going to change. But uh, you, you think about a hockey player, you know, like you were talking about Ovechkin, 19 years in the NHL. How many times has he heard the Star Spangled Banner and Old oh Canada played in his <laughs> You know, it's got to be. I, I think it's just one of those things. It's part of the you know the, the tradition type thing. But uh, personally, I could – and probably because I'm at a lot of games and I hear it so often. Maybe yeah. fans that go once or twice a year want to hear the anthem sung. But, I mean, I could do without it unless it's the Olympics or World Championships when it actually is countries playing against countries. Yeah, that's a, that's a whole other discussion for another mm-hmm. day. But, you know, it's just like put the anthem before, puck, before you know, 7 o'clock. Or seven yeah. thirty, but yeah. before, what's oh, yeah. like time it? You guys yeah. are professionals. You do things so well. Anyways, uh, Stu, or, or uh, the start time of the game. Announce the start time of the game is seven ten. Yeah, then, exactly. That way, yeah. I know when seven yeah. o'clock hits. I don't have to rush to yeah. my TV. Uh, yeah. You know, I have time to go to the bathroom, grab exactly. a snack, and whatever. Exactly, Stu. Thank you very much. Enjoy the game tomorrow. Hopefully, it will be more entertaining than the one you witnessed on Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. We'll watch Alex Ovechkin and see what he can do. Yeah. So uh, enjoy. I hope you enjoyed the nice weather today because uh, yeah. it's not going to be great this weekend. So. <laughs> All right. All right. See enjoy the weekend. weekend. Bye-bye. That was Stu Cowan. I am Matt O'Han. So we're going to just uh, bring up the graphic one more time, uh, Sammy, because um, we're going to mention it off the off the end of the show. Uh, if you can. Um, But anyways, so two weeks ago, uh, we're having a little bit of technical difficulties. It's fine. We'll get through it. Um, So two weeks ago, we had a meet and greet with Mr. Tony Marinero uh, at the IGA in Dollar Des Ormo. Uh, That went really well. So we decided at the SICK team to do another one. At a different IGA. So uh, we're going to, this is a, this is a joint promotion between La Bitta TV Beer, the sick podcast and IGA Extra. You'll have the chance to meet Tony Marinaro at hopefully, because the graphic is not there. I don't, I hopefully I, I remember this address, right? It is 5680 Boulevard de Laurentide in Laval. That starts at, uh, oh, I got it right. There you go. There's the graphic. That's tomorrow, 5680 Boulevard de Laurentide in Laval. Uh, and, uh, you know, come celebrate the start of the hockey season. La Bitta TV, the sick podcast, and IGA Extra are proud to bring you the chance to meet Mr. T-O-N-Y, M-A-R-I, N-A-R-O. Second time's the charm. I, hit, I missed that off the top of the show. All right. Uh, that's it for me. Hope you guys enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the game tomorrow. Washington Capitals in town. Alex Ovechkin's in town. Lots of good stuff. Enjoy your Sunday football. If that's your jazz, we'll catch you next time. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La Vida TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground, your premier gaming destination.